in today's episode of the Amman Wire podcast. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains, Sharia, it comes for you as mercy, for a reason, to make it easy for you to follow. It's a universal. It doesn't come only for specific people. It's for all of us. But you have the right to ask why. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers this. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome to another episode of the Iman Wire podcast. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Ghaydar, and with me is Arfan. Assalamu alaikum, Arfan. Hey, Assalamu alaikum, Ghaydar. How's it going? Alhamdulillah. Thanks for joining. And uh, here with us, uh, coming back, uh, you know, uh, Alhamdulillah, we are very blessed to have with us uh, uh, Sheikha and Doctora Zainab Alwani. Uh, we had her on a previous episode, and uh, this episode, inshallah, builds on some of the uh, major discussion goals uh, that we had on the previous uh, episode, which was about talking about the Quran and uh, the miracles uh, of the Quran. And uh, this uh, particular episode that we have is uh, somewhat, uh, you know, uh, of an umbrella of everything that we try to do as uh, Muslims living on this uh, green earth. And uh, with that being said, uh, you know, I'll leave uh, Arfan introduce the topic. But before that, I would like to welcome our, uh, you know, honored guest. Uh, Assalamualaikum, Sheikh Zainab. Welcome again. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you very much. And I guess uh, we have the objectives of uh, Sharia al-Islamiyah as our uh, uh, topic for today, right, Arfan? Yeah, definitely. I wanted to kind of uh, go off of something that you had mentioned. We know that you had recently published a work on the Qasr Sharia, uh, but also uh, a conversation that we also had about what the difference is between these objectives or goals, but also the overarching values mm. uh, that you mentioned, mostly like mostly like I think it was the Makasa, like the Quran. Yeah. Yes. If you could uh, like elaborate for our listeners a little bit more on that and what's how they're connected, but also how they're different. Well, I guess before that, even like the word maqasid and, and you know, some, oh, yeah, true, yeah, true. some people like even like from the beginning, like, you know, what do you mean by that? It's kind mm. of, you know, an ambiguous term and mm. uh, it gets like, you know, some of the, you know, speakers like, like to, like sprinkle that on top of their speak, you know, yes, yes, <laughs> their yes, speeches, yeah, you know. So, uh, so if you can please walk us through uh, the elementary kind of uh, layman understanding of the maqasid, and then you know we can branch out, inshallah. So, tafaddali. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wahlul aqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Jazakumullah khair for this um, conversation and and um, just being with you and and uh, try just to listen to your questions and answers I think this is blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jazakumullah khair um, I, I would like uh, to start with this uh, topic, of course, we have to usually define uh, the concepts. The, um, I, will, I would start with the, the Islamic paradigm, the Quranic paradigm itself. Uh, it means the worldview of the Quran. Um, in this case, we are dealing with three main relationships. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is the relationship with humanity, and the universe. So in this case, if I say for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the higher value, the higher maqsad, 
is Tawheed, believing in one God. And this is the main and the major maqsad of the Qur'an and of the Risala of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu All the prophets and messengers, they came with the same La ilaha ghayruh. There's no God, there's no deity except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is one. Then we have another relationship for humanity. And humanity here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also, we have to understand for in the Quran, mostly if I try to summarize what the objectives of the Quran related to humanity, you will find what we call a teskiyah. Teskiyah is very well known concept in a way that it, um, it carries many uh, meanings, uh, not only in a spiritual way, but even in action, uh, intellectual, uh, it's um, universal in a way. How to understand it's an entire world view. So for this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah Al-Shams, okay, for people, وَنَفْسٍ وَمَا سَوَّاهَا فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا وَقَدْ خَابَ مَنْ دَسَّاهَا So as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created humanity, of course, we understand this is for istikhlaf, uh, the meaning of being uh, agent or steward or khalifa on this earth, but it's, it's mainly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying you have a free will because you are created in a way that you have the tendency to do good and bad. But who is aflaha? Who mm. is succeeded here? Man zakaha. And that's the teskiya. And then, of course, there's another side of it, dasaha. And this is tetsiya. And tetsiya, when you don't observe, teskiya is the opposite of teskiya. How about the universe? What is our relationship with the universe? We call, in this case, the objective, if we read the Quran in, in entirely, it will be the Umran. Umran, what does it mean, Umran? To establish that kind of human civilization based on principles, to take care of our home. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, he, he mentioned that this is your home. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this earth as your uh, uh, bedshed. And that the sky is your ceiling. So as if this is your home that you have to take care of. How do you take care of it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us some guidance and that's what we approach it. So these are the higher uh, values, principles, higher objectives of the Qur'an. We call it maqasid Qur'aniyya. Under this umbrella, when you observe the three here, that's when it comes the action of people. The consequences of your view or world view, attitude towards the three, that's when our action, the, uh, it comes. How do you interact with other people? How do you interact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How do you interact with the universe? Then it comes the next level. 
The next level, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send us messengers, prophets, for a reason. And in the Quran, all the time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explained to us that the special um, concept of sharia or the, the special concept of sending even the prophets is for us to understand and contemplate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. And through that, we will understand the meaning of tawheed. Again, in this case, that's another level. And this level is to give us uh, closer to understand the meaning of tawheed. With Sharia, the Sharia, every prophet and messengers came with a kind of structure. And, and, uh, and it's not only legal aspects, mostly is holistic. So holistic, it means that spiritual, intellectual, physical, and legal, and social, and environmental, it's all under the meaning of Sharia. Hmm. Yeah, I just find that sometimes Muslims, particularly in our context right now, when we talk about Sharia, it's always in the apologetic sense. It's always going to be a defensive mechanism. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in this day of age of everything being translated, I remember watching, I'm not going to say the network, but a network that caters towards a kind of more right-leaning politics and uh, seeing someone holding uh, mm. a English translation <clears throat> of a well-known Islamic manual of law. Mm. And it's odd that that's there. Now it's been presented in court, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they use it <clears throat> in both civil court cases and other court cases and to kind of promote this idea of that, which are somehow, um, you know, there's this creeping sharia. Mm -hmm. And so for the average Muslim who yes. wants to abide by these higher values, mm -hmm when we talk about their actions yes. and how that can change not only their understanding of what the Sharia is asking yes. them to do, but maybe the culture, the society, what are the types of advice that you would give for that? Okay. Uh, I would uh, say something. SubhanAllah, the meaning of Sharia, Shara'a, Shara'a itself in Arabic, the meaning is a stream. And the stream, it comes with the, uh, just to give you that general understanding of the meaning of Sharia itself, and because you mentioned how now people are confused even with the meaning itself, that whenever that water, it comes close to the source, and the source is like the waterfalls, when it comes, uh, this is it's the purest water that you have when you are closer to the source. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes down to that different uh, lands and the water will go through uh, the streams and the stream, of course, it will colored by that land. Mm, yeah. So in this case, that Sharia itself, it comes from the source of the Quran and the action of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and the Sunnah of the Prophet to teach us how to connect this with the, with the Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala and His guidance. Then when it goes down with different cultures, with different people, now the color changes. And that's when it comes how people understand the uh, guidance of Allah, the Sharia itself. And of course, you will have different cultures, mm -hmm. different understanding. And right. even with Salah, even with the, the, the main rituals, the main Sha'a'ir, it's still 
uh, in Pakistan, maybe they, they practice something different a little bit. Than like uh, Morocco, for example. Yes, in Morocco or something. Right. So that's when it comes the, the action of the scholars and the role <clears throat> of the scholars. So for the scholars, it's wrong to say Sharia, only Islamic law. Because in this case, you uh, try to have that Sharia as only with that legal aspect. It's not. The Sharia is a holistic meaning of the action of guidance of the action of people. And in this, what do I mean with this? The Sharia itself has characteristics. The Sharia itself has a meaning and has objectives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent different Sharia to different people. But he was not obliged to explain to them, why do you pray? Why do you fast? Why do you do this? In Islam, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us almost in everything, and even about himself, why did he send the prophets? He would tell you that for the why will answer that question. And even the questions of the non-believers uh, in, in the in, uh, oneness of God, he would state their question and uh, try to answer because we have a free will. Yes. And we need to understand why. So in this case, as a believer, we'll be strong in our action and we know why are we doing this. That's why even with Maqasat Sharia, any rulings it comes, you will find the answer for the question, why? And the characteristics of Sharia, you know the characteristics? It's in Surah Al-A'raf, from, you can read from 157, uh, and after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains, Sharia, it comes for you as mercy, for a reason to make it easy for you to follow. It's a universal. It doesn't come only for specific people. Right. It's for all of us. But you have the right to ask why. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers this. Our job, the scholar's job, is to find the answers for this. So that's part So that brings me to another topic. So you know, it reminds me of the verse of Quran where Allah says that for each community, he gave them a sharia, which are maybe these mm -hmm. overarching values and more um, more nuanced than what we define as simply a law. But then he, Allah says, I gave you a sharia and a way. And that the way is outlined by the scholarships, understanding, but also the prophetic guidance and yes. all of those things that That's how right. we as humans would practice that in our different cultural milieus. Um, so the question that comes is maybe more childish, but oftentimes we are found as parents or maybe as you know people who may not have kids, but as, as sons and daughters that we are told to do certain things. And I know growing up, oftentimes we were never given an adequate response of why. Mm -hmm. So you were mentioning this idea of our ability and Allah has endowed us with his ability to ask why. And the Makasa does that. How does... Um, for some of those types of questions that may come to someone's mind, how does knowing or learning or teaching the maqasa sharia, how do you see that as helping edify the average Muslim's life? Well, actually, in addition to that, mm -hmm. you know, and before you answer, if you can please uh, classify the five maqasa, you know, mm -hmm. like under the mm -hmm. overarching mm -hmm. values that you mm -hmm. started with. Mm -hmm. So if you can, yes. if we can oh, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Because, because that question that you just meant, that you yeah. just asked is something actually that can go under each of those five. So mm -hmm. would you kindly, yes. you yeah. know, so. Yes. Uh, so um, uh, 
I want you to remember mm-hmm. that in the Quran, subhanAllah, there is a balance. And always that there is that integration between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the relationship with the humanity and his mercy in the creating uh, the universe. And it's all the three, always remember that three relationships are connected. And Tawheed, Tazkiyah, Imran, it's also connected. So in our action, the action itself that we take before we say, so the scholars will come to understand uh, different rulings uh, related to marriage, parenting, uh, divorce, all kinds of issues, prayer, salah, fasting. All these actions are part of that sharia, right? Now, the maqasid, the, the our scholars, Al uh, Ghazali, Al Juwaini before it, Al uh, Azbin Abd Salam, or Ibn Taymiyyah, and the other scholars, they they dealt with this as questions. The question come from society, from individuals, from people, and they ask the question, what what should I do when I pray? What should I do when I marry? Where what should I do and this? And then they, they try to understand, why do we fast? Why do we pray? Why do we get married? Why do we this? And with that why, they found that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, really for all this as the characteristics of sharia, is by his mercy, he give us some guidance. Without the guidance, we will be lost. If we are in in this, and that's what the interaction between the reason of humanity and the wahi, the revelation. So there is that connection and guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he gives us, by the way, with his mercy, with his justice, that he provides us internally that we have the intellect, we have the ability to understand the right from the wrong, but at the same time, with his mercy, he guides us with that sharia, with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you say maqasad al-sharia, they said there, there must be, because we read the Quran, everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered with the why. Here, the maqasad al-sharia, there are uh, three levels. The three levels, usually for the fuqaha, they said, there are necessities that it has to be protected and preserved. But there are other two levels, which is needs. The needs are maybe, I don't, uh, it doesn't reach the necessities, the daruriyat, and then they said hajiyat, and then tahsiniyat. With the tahsiniyat, they said that's for the improvement of the hajiyat. So they give different examples and simple examples for this. Uh, like if you have a house is necessity, but then the hajiyat, you need electricity and you need uh, uh, Wi-Fi, you need uh, water, you need all this. That's hajiyat. It's us. But for now, it's necessities. It's under necessities. And then maybe you need a furniture and the furniture also, it's part of, it comes from improvement and hajiyat. Mm-hmm. Now with that five, they say five necessities. And under the five or six, some of them, they said is uh, preserving or the preservation of faith, first life. Under life, you have maybe thousands of other things 
to say about it. If you are, say, preserving life, and then you, you deal with abortion, you deal with uh, uh, medication, you deal with uh, saving lives in general. So in this case, they said this is part of necessities. It has to be preserved by the community, by the government, by individuals, by families. Mm-hmm. That's the, and that's is, on top of the necessities. That's yeah. it. This is yeah. the first thing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and some of, of the scholars, they said, oh, religion, pre- preservation right. of religion or life. But life is, is, uh, is the main one. And, of course, the pre- preservation of faith and, uh, uh, and then progeny or family and, and then wealth. Um, intellect, in fact, between the intellect you have Imam Ghazali and the others also, they said which one is is before the intellect or progeny. But but this is also another uh, debate. And then you have wealth, honor. Today's are are um, so many of our. Uh, scholars, they added more under necessities. Right. They said it's not only five, yeah. but we have more. Uh, we have justice, we have freedom, mm-hmm. we have this, we have mercy, we have yes. values and principles. Do you see this? And then some have tried to put those even under these rubric Under, yes. So like Huria yes. comes under the preservation exactly. of, of properly life yes. to a certain extent. Yes. Um, life and intellect. Right. Yes. But what was the sixth maqsad? Uh, Honor. In, Ownership. The owner. And that's an interesting yeah. question. We yeah. were yes. just with uh, one of our other, we we're having a discussion yeah. on the Qawaid and the Maqasid as well, uh, just um, mm-hmm. a uh, off, offhand kind of discussion. He mentioned Ird, and he was asking if I knew when the Ird ad, was that added on later? Was that something that seemed that it was at the very beginning as a concept of honor? And what does honor really mean? You know, did, did it mean the same for those early scholars who may be coming out of a pre-Islamic Arab culture? Mm. And when we're talking about um, honor in the more cosmopolitan context, yes. where the ummah and the sciences became more developed, did that change? Or is yes. that something that was added on later? Or how do you see it's, that concept? It's really, uh, this is the, the beauty of Islam. And this is the beauty of the Quran. It's, uh, it's really to invite all the minds. And that's why I mentioned in the beginning, uh, in that uh, earlier episode about the Quran, is to invite people to read and contemplate. Because you, you don't have to be all mufassirin, mm-hmm. but you can be a scientist, and you can be a teacher, and you can be anyone. So in this case, when you interact with the Quran, you will be able to understand all this and apply it in your life. And in this, it's not only about the owner. In reality, it's the five. If we take the five, maqasad, they are all connected. In one thing, you can find all five in addition to, of course, the honor and, and values and principles. And that's, it's left for people, the creative minds. When you have that, we, we created that community who answers why, not to shut up the children when they ask why right. or this. No, but to connect with the Quran and ask always the bigger questions because that's what the Quran encouraged, yeah. encouraged that dialogue, that dialogue between you and the book. And then you, you, you come to your society and try to change. 
And from the beginning, that's in, when it says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُغَيِّرُ مَا بِقَوْمٍ حَتَّى يُغَيِّرُ مَا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ch- not change anyone unless you decide to change yourself. Maqasid, I'm not saying only maqasid, uh, but I'm saying that this is one tool or a way for Muslims to understand that the Qur'an encourages that type of critical thinking. Encourages us to think about it. Encourages us to reflect on everything. It's all يتفكرون. It means to understand and you try yourself to search for the answer. Mm. Mm. Ask the question first. It's good for you to ask, why do we have this? And what does it mean? But at the same time, it's your responsibility also to see. And that's what we call it, combining the two readings. What does it mean? that It means, and that's what it comes in the first ayat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, sent to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq, khalaq al-insana min alaq. And that's to iqra' the two readings you read in the revelation in the Quran and you find the Sharia the Sharia is really it's it's that guidance to show you to show us that right but you read in the creation of Allah and that's subhanahu wa ta'ala it means you combine the two and you will find always answers for this as long as you have the right intention the right way, the guidance here, that the guidance you have from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide you what is wrong, what is right. For example, you have today, mashallah, um, we are advanced in medical field. Where do you say this is right or this is wrong? This, is a, this research should be continued to be before, because benefit humanity, this research should discontinue because it does not and lead to uh, the, maybe even the uh, corruption of a human or to deconstruct humanity. You have so many issues, bioethics now and all kinds of it. That's also is under Sharia. It's under understanding maqasad al-sharia and the objectives of sharia. Is this will will serve as muwahid? Can I say as a doctor or scientist, you are someone who believes in tawheed, in a, 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 a oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is this will lead you to tazkiyah, to practice uh, purification? Is this action that under this leads to Imran, to preserve the universe? Rather than the environment now struggle with the environment, rather when we we have that global warming issues and all this, we should ask ourselves. And by the way, uh, as Muslims, we are responsible in front of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and before people and the history that we if we don't contribute positively to what the the universe is going through and the environment and all these kinds of issues. So I think like one of the other issues that comes up is that, which is amazing, is that the intellectual thought has been a process from the Maqasid. 
people people listening should not think that while the toolkit was there, the Quranic revelation was there, the example of the Prophet is there, it took time for the intellectual uh, process to take place in the Muslim community with scholarly output coming, and you have now a continuing of that. I would say probably a renewal of that. And Ghaidari, I think you may mention this, that oftentimes we hear these terms like Maqat al-Sharia, as they probably in the last 10 years has become very much a somewhat debatable topic on one level, I would say, with with the more intellectual crowd. But I would say also at the same time, maybe uh, something just to throw out there without people really giving the definitions. How do you see the, the, the tensions when people are trying to utilize these... Um, uh, these hermeneutics or these types of uh, uh, um, spiritual or religious sciences for their own means to advance mm-hmm. their own agenda. Yes. So we have yeah. causes both liberal in terms of progressive values. Right. We yeah. have causes the maybe on a more conservative tip as well yes. uh, to, to retain. You know, we yeah. want to uh, make sure no one strays from the religion. Yeah. So right. we want to hold them back yes. from what we think is haram. Uh-huh. Like whether or not that is true or not is debatable. Uh, you know, I I will um, just say one uh, story that the first time when I uh, tried to have uh, my PhD proposal about the maqasid that uh, and this is like um, eight ten years ago when maqasid it was still really not that field as a field but it was uh, different still in the beginning and. Uh, and subhanAllah, that, your question, is it was part of it because people, they said, if we open the door mm-hmm. of maqasad, it means that intellectual issues and people will, of course, push their own agenda. And especially, right. and we can see it now. It's really, it's there. Right. And, and you have not only progressive Muslims and others, but even with the people with the good intention, we, uh, they also, they work in a way that you can see the difference. This is one of the issue that we have to connect really with the Quran. And you, you would say, oh, that, that's what they do. No, there's so many things that people, they use it as uh, means rather than as a, the Quran, I mean, mm-hmm. rather than a source. Mm. What does it mean? To politicize for their means. Basically. Uh, so. Well, so, you know, like, uh, Ali has this yeah. amazing story where the Kawadij are there, mm-hmm. and Ibn Abbas, major, you know, early commentator on the Quran, uh, he wants to engage with them to have a dialogue. So Sayyidina Ali says, okay, if you want to go, but don't argue with the Quran because it has many faces, because mm-hmm. whoever's reading it can, mm-hmm. you know, cut and paste, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Argue with the Sunnah of the Prophet because they can't escape that. So mm. we see that people will say, oh, look, I can beat my wife. It's in, mm. it's in the Quran. Mm. But you show me the example of mm. wherever that happened in the life of the Prophet mm. or where he ever allowed that. It doesn't exist. But subhanAllah, this is also, uh, it's, uh, I have my reservation on this. Right. Because that's the problem, uh, what we said in our uh, first or previous uh, episode about the Quran. If we know how to um, develop, the, the issue is not in the Quran, the issue is in 
in us, in our reading, in our reading, and how we approach the Quran, and that's also the role of the scholars. They should always uh, provide that kind of methodologies and understanding, so people will not lose their their path. Because within the Quran, there is a guidance, but that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And for example, how do I read the Quran? Um, in uh, the previous one, maybe we said about the language itself. And, and then the combining the two readings. How do I combine? Using the Prophet Sunnah, but the Sunnah, it should not take uh, like I, I cut and paste with the Hadith. So the Hadith, even the Hadith, now we are also violating the way how we approach the Hadith and how we use it. And if you d- give me one case, and that case uh, maybe part of our modern challenges, um, remind me of any question. Uh, any modern question that you Any have. modern question? I mean, yeah. I mean, I wanted to ask you uh, after this about uh, a major politicizing of the Usuli uh, arguments, uh, you know, between hifz al-nafs uh, and like preservation of life and preservation yeah. of the deen yes. and the entire, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of what's been happening in the Arab world, for instance, because it's been affecting mm. many of the communities, including the internal dialogue that has been going on in the past few years in America between the, between the different people in the Muslim community, that has been, you know, justified by the different opposing, you know, uh, factors by the argument of the maqasid, you know, oh, oh it's a preservation of life, oh, it's a preservation of the deen, yeah. and then we uh, we are losing, it's probably one of the biggest, you know, uh, you know, kind of calamities that are befalling the Muslim uh, community in general, you know, uh, throughout the world, seeing the degradation of the, uh, you know, uh, of, of life and values and even Sharia itself in the way that we view mm-hmm. it. So much so that so many youngsters are leaving the deen by yeah, the, by, right. by the very, by the effect or the, by the, uh, and, and this is very unfortunate, especially because I follow what's happening in yes, the Middle East yes, on a personal yeah. basis. People are leaving the deen uh, because of the scholars that, that brought them to the deen themselves. Right. Right. It's amazing right. how you know yes. it's been you know uh, you know un you know raveling in the past few years. You know, but this is a live yes. example. You wanted yes. me to yeah, mention. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, this is a good one. And and the, and the biggest trap of the usulis, you know, I I just want to know as a layman, give me something that is simplified. Give mm-hmm. me something that preserves the sanctity of this message of this mm-hmm. dean. Don't you know tell me that because of the traditional way that something this something happened X Y Z or whatever. And I don't want to unravel this even more, but, uh, but no, you asked I for think, an example. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I and this probably, is a, the best, yeah. maybe. This is a perfect example. You know, when the, the body, uh, if, if someone has cancer as a disease, cancer, right? If that cancer, the, the, the person who has cancer, in this case, it comes with cold, Cold is a simple, maybe we say, disease. That if it comes in the person who is healthy, it will last maybe for two, three days. But how about the person who has that cancer? It, maybe it will kill that person. It's, it's just cold. Our state, the ummah today, that state, maqasid or any other uh, discussions, it's supposed to be a cure or a tool 
okay, a tool to help people, to help Muslims to use their intellect. Intellect is not pure intellect. It has to be, we said about teskiyah and purification, and we have to have guidance on that, uh, that kind of, when I say purification, the guidance is there. But the problem is we transform even the cure into a disease because we, and, uh, as a body, we have that cancer from everywhere. So everything we think that it will be a good cure after a few years, it becomes part of that cancer cell instead. So maqasad in the beginning, it's really, it was to help people, really. It's not to take as blind faith, but to answer and to help the youth to understand that our religion is open. It's have that, that kind of dialogue between you as a humanity and the universe and Allah. But now it becomes the opposite. Why? Because of this. If you are asking me, in this, uh, I'll go back to my main uh, statement in the beginning. I know you mentioned about the Quran and the, the uh, if I say Quran in general, so it means people will take it around. Our role today as scholars, we have to go back and work together to find the best way, the best way to approach the Qur'an and teach and connect people, bring people back to connect with the Qur'an as individuals. I'm not asking anyone, anyone to, to give me um, tafsir or fiqh or anything. Just purify yourself through that connection of the Qur'an. Try to understand this. Believe me, we will, after a while, if we uh, get into that transformation as individuals and families, and then it will be, hopefully, the community, scholars, leaders. Why are we losing all this? Why? Why? Because all the time when we read the Quran, cut and paste. We use the evidences to support our assumptions. We use uh, even... Seeking knowledge. Seeking knowledge, people now, they go to learn Arabic as a tool to learn the Quran, to connect with the Quran. But when they come to the Quran, they don't know how to connect with the book of Allah subhanahu They don't know how to understand this. And as I said before, even if I use only Surah Al-Asr and reflect for the entire year, with my, my family, with my friends, with the, my shiyukh on this and try to apply it, we will stop so many corruption that it has. What does it mean, fasad and salah in the Quran? What does it mean, corruption? What does it mean, reforming? What does it mean, change? What does it mean, this? And at that time, Prophet Muhammad wasallam, what he did with the transformation of the community, that someone like Salman al-Farisi, Salman al-Farisi was a slave, was at that time. But when Umar ibn al-Khattab stood in front of them giving that khutbah, okay, before that, Umar ibn al-Khattab distributed uh, uh, some fabric for all the men in Medina, 
and uh, and uh, the night before, and then he came on Friday, standing before them, and he was wearing that fabric as a thobe, uh, and then Salman al-Farisi and Umar al-Khattab said, uh, "Listen to me and obey me," and he said, "We will not listen to you, we will not obey you, unless you tell us from where you got that thobe." Okay. And he said, because yesterday you just distributed one fabric for each one of us and you are a tall person, so it means you need two or more. So why did you get more than anyone else in our community? Umar ibn al-Khattab was standing there. He called his son, Abdullah ibn Umar, and he said, Abdullah, tell Salman why I'm wearing this. And he said, because I gave my Uh, shirt to my father so he can wear something decent and stand before you on Friday. When Salman Farisi, he said at that time, oh, Amir al-Mu'mineen, he called him. In the beginning, he said, oh, Umar, speak and we obey. At that person, where from where we got this? And Umar ibn al-Khattab said, alhamdulillah, الذي رزق عمر رزق عمر سلمان الفارسي ليصححه. He was pleased that Salman Farisi he spoke and and he stopped him. So I think this this kind of a story we are not at that level unless we know how to connect with Allah سبحانه وتعالى's words and then we build that relationship with Him and then we be true to ourselves. And true to our time. I don't know, Arfan, if you uh, have any. Uh, no, that's this a, seems to be kind of a. <laughs> that's definitely. Um, I think a lot of the questions that we get, um, and the type of the questions that we have, as guys are mentioned, as we look at the world in our own lives, it's just amazing that you were able to kind of break down the meaning of maqasid. We covered a lot of ground with that in terms of its. Uh, the difference between the overall values of the Quran and then how that translates into a Sharia sense yeah. and what Sharia is and then with some of the examples of some of the things that are happening around the world today so thank you very much for spending time with us today yeah I mean so, uh, for for the listeners uh, you can probably imagine that we opened this uh, topic and it's probably a 12 hour podcast because we're gonna have to go under each one and there's there's a whole lot of slew of questions but we feel that this introduction is somewhat more of an umbrella that uh, serves inshallah for um, the general understanding not so uh, not not for us to go into the nooks and crannies of each of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, maqasidi, that's my Arabish, maqasidi <laughs> uh, kind of uh, topics that are permeating our social media and, and, and masajid and whatnot. But maybe, inshallah, uh, to bring back the maqasid al-Qur'aniya, uh, like uh, Dr. Zainab mentioned. Uh, so, uh, yes, jazakillah uh, khair, and we hope, inshallah, that we can pick this up later Inshallah. I think we're pressed in time uh, for for uh, this time but um, you know we'd like to uh, on behalf of uh, Iman Wire thank uh, our guest uh, scholar Sheikh Zainab Alwani uh, for all her works and I wanted to uh, before I uh, do a plug 
on her behalf, <laughs> although she didn't ask me, may Allah uh, ennoble her, you know, but I wanted on my own to, uh, for those um, uh, Arabic speakers uh, in our community, there is uh, this latest, uh, you know, publication by uh, Dr. Zainab Alwani uh, of her book in Arabic uh, called Al-Usra fi Maqasid al-Shari'a, Family in the Realm of the Objectives of Sharia, Qira'a fi Qadaya al-Zawaj wa talaq fi Amerika. Uh, and it's published by Al-Mahad Al-Alami Lil-Fikr Al-Islami. So for those of you who read and understand Arabic, and we are, by the way, uh, talking to her uh, uh, on a preliminary level of how we can translate this into English. But for those of you who do uh, read Arabic, please uh, go and get that book. Uh, inshallah, there's a lot of uh, khair in it. Uh, and one more time, uh, uh, thank you very much for uh, being with us, uh, Sheikh Zainab. And uh, please uh, subscribe to Iman Wire uh, podcast and do like and share uh, this, uh, uh, you know, episode uh, to share the khair, as they say. And barakallahu feekum jamiyan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.